0: Welcome to Roundhill Radio. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary. Look for moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about. When we talk about faith. So, welcome to everybody on Roundhill Radio. We're uh, we have a special guest today, and we love having guests. And actually, this guest is someone who was with us, believe it or not, about four and a half years ago. And Leslie Cons, our Director of Digital Ministries, uh, interviewed you. And so welcome, Adam Smedberg. Uh, you're working with Church World Service, and we are delighted to have you as part of our podcast.
1: Thank you for having me again. Uh, it was great uh, to join you here. Um, it's hard to believe it's been four and a half years. You said, I mean, it's like, wow. You know, COVID <laughs> being kind of probably was probably the year before COVID. And then, yes. you know, with everything shut down for a few years, Um you know, yeah, it, it kind of adds up, but you, you don't even start to even think back to those times beforehand. Um,
0: it's a yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I think a lot of us have uh, started to think of before the pandemic, after the pandemic, I, right? I, In sort of the, I,
1: I believe so. Times. You know, it'll be interesting to see as time goes on. You know how they, how historians and how folks will look back at this time, and how yeah, we responded, exactly. and and how things have, have gone since then. So, um, yeah, Yeah.
0: well, it's, it's a thrill to have you, uh, as our guest and, uh, Adam, I'm actually going to repeat a couple of questions that you answered all the way back in 2019, because we'll have a different listening audience Mm -hmm. now and our listening audience, you know, goes, uh covers a, a lot of a lot of the you know the country the region the country and even we have some international listeners so we're we're always delighted to have them as part of our show so let's just start off by saying please tell us a little bit about church world service its origins and uh yeah let's start there sure um
1: cws we've been around uh since 1946 um okay. we started um you know in the wake of world war 2 a uh, group of uh, church communities came together. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we say, they came together to do together what we do more together than we can apart. And mm, I uh, love that the idea was they gathered, they worked with farmers in the Midwest um, and mm-hmm. in some of the Southern regions to gather seed um, as well as uh, wheat grain and shipped it to Europe to support farmers there mm-hmm. uh, whose land was devastated during World War II. Mm-hmm. And since then, um, our programs have only grown. Um, as I talk to mm-hmm. a lot of folks, you know, CWS's work can be split into three different pillars. Um, mm-hmm. Or as I would like to call them, our pillars of, of mission focus. Um, international and domestic support of refugees and uh, migrants. Mm-hmm. We do work um, internationally and domestically to support families affected by natural disasters hurricanes, mm-hmm. uh, wildfires, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, and then finally, uh, food and water security in countries that, uh, really see a struggle I mean, because, you know, with climate change and with other things going on there, there's significant issues and trouble, but we sure. always try to look to make sure that our work is long-term and sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'll give you a, a great example of that. Um, Marisavik County is, uh, in Kenya and it's a very dry and desolate mm-hmm. area and their, uh, children would have to walk the equivalent of 50 laps around the high school track. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know how many track and field folks are listening. Um, <laughs> that's about 12 miles or, or, you know, if I remember correctly from, from my days, I didn't run. I, I threw shot, um, but, there, you know, if, if we got out of line, we were running for a little while. So right. um, I don't ever recall having to do 50 laps, though, around the track, but it was, it was wow. it's significant. Um, so we were able to set up a, um, a water pump. We, we were able to sink uh, a borehole almost 2,000 feet into the ground uh, to hit a water table. It's solar powered. And it can produce up to 2,200 gallons of water a day. Um, Mm. Now, the community does pay a small fee for the uh, filtered water. And that's because it goes through a biofilter. And Mm -hmm. the idea is that when the time comes and that filter is no longer any good, they have the funds to replace that. But then Mm -hmm. also members of the community are trained to know what to look for when that filter is no longer usable um, Mm -hmm. or know how to change it. And they're oh, able to great. do that now. <clears throat> but if, if we were doing this in person, we'd be talk. I'd be showing you the different uh, types of. Um, we I take with me a five gallon jerry can when I visit schools or different groups, and I talk about how the children, starting at the age of twelve, have to carry that jerry can every day, and mm. um, take together the water. So now that the water is in the community, they don't have to carry that water anymore. So what do you Mm. do with those kids? Mm. Build a bigger Mm -hmm. school. Now the kids can, Mm. those young girls can get educated. But now you need to build a bigger school. You need to hire more teachers. You need to hire healthcare professionals who know how to take care of the girls. And now we're starting to see the girls in this community take primary exams and be able to start looking at a life beyond the life in their community. Wow. Exciting. It is. Because for so many, mm. you know, they're, they're taught that, you know, what, what, what low value they have because it's life of serving the family and then serving a husband that they've probably been married into for a cost. Sure. And now yeah. they have the freedom to be able to do so much. And it's, you know, it's looking at the communities like that and seeing how can we spread this and ensure that mm. all families, and all children have the opportunities that they need.
0: Yeah. Uh, the word that comes to mind as you were talking uh, the, is the word culture. We talk a lot these days about changing the culture mm-hmm. or creating a culture that's capable of changing those things that are obstacles to a flourishing life. And, uh, that sounds like an extraordinary example of how, you know, the addressing a basic human need of hydration begins to radiate out and touch more and more lives and gradually transform the culture of that community, uh, pr- you know, eventually bringing flourishing life to everybody in it. Yes. Um, so that,
1: and that's our goal, extraordinary. you know, and that's what our work with the crop walks goes to fund, mm-hmm. you know, we have over 500 crop hunger walks throughout the country that raise money to do programs like this. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been with CWS now for almost seven years and I can tell you, this mm. is the most rewarding work I have ever been a part of.
0: Yeah. It must be extraordinarily gratifying We're, when you're getting news and feedback, especially in contrast to, you know, some of the other facets of the news that we receive each day that are not nearly as encouraging as that. I agree. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, Adam, um I have this memory of my daughter Katrina when she was about 2 years old, the very first mission trip I will say that we ever took together was a crop walk. Oh nice. And it was in it was in Concord, New Hampshire, and every year I and then it, eventually we added her brother to the process. And so that's how Katrina and Kyle were first introduced uh, to the idea of service was through Church World Service annual crop walks funding programs like this from citizens across the country, right? Just, uh, taking advantage of the normal process of walking, but dedicating it towards a cause. And,
1: you know, many of our walks, we, the way we describe the walk is we walk the same distance that these families walk every day, you know? And so Mm. when, Mm -hmm. so when you hear the stories of some of these older walks, you know, they talk about how Mm -hmm. they would walk 15 miles. Um, yes. And, my grandparents uphill both ways and in the snow <laughs> um, but those distances we because of these projects have cut this distance down to just over three miles and wow. Wow. that is the amazing change that we are seeing and you know you talk about the change in culture and what it takes not only the change that we see in the communities that we serve but in the communities here to to, to serve and to understand what it is mm-hmm. to serve, um, I had the opportunity to speak at a church in Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, last year mm-hmm. with a, a youth group there. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're doing the kits next week. Um, at, at, the disaster relief kits. Yeah, the, or, which ones yeah. are, are are we making? Are is it the those ones or I, the hygiene I think kits?
0: When we do it at Round Hill, uh, I think we're doing hygiene, hygiene kits, kits. Yes. Okay. Yep.
1: So. We were talking about the different kits that CWS has at the, with these, uh, students and, um, and letting them kind of choose which kit they want to do as, as a service project. And these two young girls, probably not, probably between 10 and teenage, you know, in that age range, talked about the importance of education, that all kids should have the access to, have a right to access to education, looking at the education kits. And all I'm thinking to myself is, when I was in the early '90s, I'm gonna, you know, not say how old I was, but <laughs> um, back in the early '90s, you're you're among friends. <laughs> you know, when I was their age, that wasn't something that kind of caught something to me. You know, it was, uh-huh. you know, there were there were other things that I was thinking about, but I, I was so amazed that that was the attitude that you know we need mm. to do what we can to make sure that children everywhere have that access to an education that helps them and, and builds and yeah. makes them better. So I, I was greatly impressed and, you know, um, look forward to kind of seeing that, that, see how those attitudes are in other communities. It's, it's
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam, tell tell us about your specific role within church world service and has that stayed the same or has it evolved over the
1: it, years? So it has evolved. Um, You know, I I still work with uh, Crop Hunger Walks um, as well Mm -hmm. as uh, congregations. Uh, Where it has evolved is now, uh, instead of just being New England, it is New England and New York. Um, Okay. And in some cases, it's trying to describe to my managers that Rochester is not as close to Albany as they seem to think. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're like, hey, can you go out to the Rochester area next time you're in Albany? I'm like, that's 4 hours in one direction. Exactly. <laughs> right.
0: New, New York is bigger than you might think exactly, it
1: is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um so where it is has it grown is is working with more populations and working with more communities. Mm. Um and also, you know, we talked about the pandemic before. It's reengaging with communities that, you know, since the pandemic, we may not have heard from and just, you know, kind of sure reaching back to them and letting them know what we're doing because mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic, our work is different than it is now. And I, will explain that in a couple different areas. Um, mm-hmm. one, our kids program, for example, um, when we talked for a year, four and a half years ago, we had three kits. We've now grown that to five. Um, mm-hmm. we've added, a, uh, what we call our period pack is a women's health, uh, kit. Um, okay. As we saw that we we were, what we had seen was that um, over 32 million women here in the United States do not have access to the hygiene materials that they need on a monthly basis. Wow. Oh, good um, heavens. As a matter of fact, so you mentioned New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I was actually this mm-hmm. past weekend up in uh, Pembroke at the New Hampshire oh, UCC mm-hmm. uh, prepare to serve event. Um, okay. And uh, the conference as a fundraising service element to it um, raised funds for 700 period packs. And then they assembled these period packs during the event. Wow. And um, you, you should, the the response from the churches and from the folks there was amazing. They, everyone kept coming up going, what do you need our help with? What can we do now? Mm. And so for some, it was, you know, jump into an assembly line and, and help assemble. For some, it was, hey, we're low on uh, pads. Can you help us count 10, you know, 10 in a pile and get them ready for the next group mm-hmm. that's going to come through? Um, but they had, they assembled 700 period packs in just under five hours. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, that was incredible. And um, leading into that, our warehouse in uh, Elkhart, Indiana was empty. We had just sent out the last oh. of them um about a week or so ago so oh my people were energized they wanted to help um and so they this so it's programs like that um that i am working with um we're hoping to do some things with the sneucc um the new england methodist conference um and different folks um with different events that they have and see where we can add a mission element to help serve others in need um, wow and you know one other thing i'll just tell you um you know talking about changing programs between now since we chatted uh 2019 and today um is in our work in moldova now hmm. you be honest do you, would, if i showed you a map would you be able to point to moldova right now or
0: i I might not be able okay. to <laughs> <laughs> believe me
1: I, I ask this question every time i, I talk about it Talk about Moldova in the church, and everyone kind of looks at me. I make it two hands, and I'm like, "Really? Do you really?" <laughs> and so, Moldova is on the western border of Ukraine. It is a small, mm-hmm. poor country, about two and a half million people. Um, mm-hmm. Since Ukraine was invaded two years ago, they have taken in over eight hundred thousand Ukrainian refugees. Mm-hmm. And as I tell a lot of folks, if you think about what it would happen. In Connecticut if the population of Rhode Island all of a sudden came in mm. mm-hmm. and um, so we are doing work with mm. refugee centers we are doing work uh, supporting not only uh, Ukrainian refugees but also Moldovan mm-hmm. families and children um, and doing programs to bring them together um, you know as so people aren't feeling that they're you know well you're just here for us for this you know once things resolve you're going to leave we're telling them no we're here for the long Mm. term we're here until Mm. everyone is taken care of uh well
0: Uh, adam just a quick question on that so in in your work with moldova are you then also recruiting or training people on the ground there in addition to church world service staff so how do how can you because the the need is so enormous and the challenges how did how does that work so
1: initially what it was was so we so we'll go back two years ago to when the invasion started um Mm -hmm. the first thing we did was an assessment of the countries surrounding ukraine to see where our Mm -hmm. impact could have the greatest Uh, we looked at poland romania moldova Mm -hmm. and we chose moldova because we already had a presence there um uh, Moldova is one of those I countries see. we refer to as an energy poverty country what that okay. means is, is what families pay for their electricity is the same as what they pay for a rent or mortgage um mm. now I don't know about you I know what I'm paying for my mortgage on my house I could not mm-hmm. afford that again to give to you know national grid provide electricity you know Eversource, those mm. guys. Um, just not going to happen. <laughs> so what we've been mm-hmm. doing is we've in many community centers, we've been setting up uh, solar paneling in, uh, right. schools and in other public areas. Uh, we, we found one school, they didn't have access to hot water at mm-hmm. all because they mm-hmm. couldn't afford, um, the energy for it. And if you think about a, a school, those kids, you know, aren't able to wash their hands appropriately. Mm-hmm. They're not able to wash the food or the dishes. So by, setting up the solar panels the school then had access to hot water wow, and wonderful. it was able to wonderful. help provide that level of support. Um, wow. so, and that work will continue even after everything was resolved with Ukraine. Um, however that looks and whenever I'm, I'm not going to get into any kind of political or sides on, on that situation. Um, but it just to say that you know we we want to see this resolve as peacefully and as um, you know as, as can be as can be so um, yeah. yeah.
0: But you're making a long-term, Church World Service is making a long-term commitment to be there yes, uh, and to continue to respond to people's needs. Uh, You did touch upon a subject that is near and dear to our hearts, because we, since the last time we spoke to you, we've solarized our entire campus at Round Hill Community Church. Nice. So, um, yeah, you'll have a chance to see that. So we're especially glad to hear that whenever solarization happens, it's helping people. It's also good for the earth and... uh, you know, makes a lot of really good things possible for everyone. Yes. Um, So really, really glad to hear that. I have a question which will take us away from the international side of this for just a moment. You had mentioned that you're reaching out to congregations now who, maybe because of the pandemic, you know, had um, decreased some of their mission efforts. Uh, Certainly we all notice changes, you know, during these past four years. Um, We've also been watching for longer than 4 years the gradual um reduction in numbers in church you know communities where people have begun to um you know slowly drift away from congregations in some cases where they've been involved in congregations for many years even those people have started to step away what are you noticing adam as you reach out to congregations to look for congregational support mm-hmm. for church world service are you seeing uh, resurgence. Are you, you know, what, what is it that you're observing? Well,
1: it's interesting you say that because, you know, the kids program we find is a great way to bring folks into the building. You know, for many mm. churches we hear mm-hmm. about, um, they were using yep. Facebook live or YouTube live, you know, to live stream the services in 2020, yep. 2021. And many have continued to do that to this day. Uh, it's funny. Indeed. Yep. One saw um, You know, my history, I lived in Kentucky for six years. um, Mm -hmm. And when I relocated back to Massachusetts, uh, my church was already, the church I had left was already doing live streaming services. Um, Mm -hmm. So for a short time before I had found a church up here, um, they kind of used me as a guinea pig to, Mm -hmm. you know, watch the service, see if there's any glitches, if there's anything, you know, you're noticing, let us know. Um, sure. so, um, so I do think that I think technology helped a lot of churches through 2020 and 21, um, for sure. And I think it's, it's good to still have that option. You know, if you have folks who are either on vacation or people who are in homes who cannot leave, you know, if they're, um, in nursing centers or, or places like that, where they're not able to go to a church, they have that option to live stream and, and bring the church into where they are um Mm -hmm. and stay connected because we know for so many a church family is so important um right as as a way to stay connected in in a community um what i would say is what i'm seeing when i go and visit um there's there's there is excitement with the folks who are there the folks who are there are very are glad to be there um Mm -hmm. you know they're happy to you know for some cases they may just be i'm there to speak on something, you know, either through a mission moment or, or with the kids or deliver a message, you know, if I'm delivering a message, I think someone was just like, Hey, it's someone different. We can hear from, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, you know, so I think there's, there's definitely a number of different factors. Um, I will say, you know, I, I, the, the churches were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty full when I was there. I mean, I won't say that they were, Mm -hmm. you know, there were, there were definitely still some seats open and I'm sure the churches will love to welcome more folks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I heard one person who did church plants years ago always said that if there are people who aren't attending church. There's always a need for an additional church in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I agree with that to a significant point. You know, we just, I think for many people, you just have to, you know, as you want to go out and get the people to come, people need to be able to come and on their own as well. You know, I know that was the way it was for me right. when I came back into church was, you know, I, 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 I knew it was time for me to come back and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's when I, when I made my decisions. So they yeah. led me to doing this and this is amazing work and work I, I love to do.
0: I um, have a great memory of the time you were with us the last time. I'm pretty sure that we assembled disaster relief kits. Mm -hmm. So I think, as you've said, now you are up to five different kits that you, that, uh, you know, congregations can prepare. But I just have this memory, Adam, of uh, one of our our church school children standing side by side with one of our I, one of our elders in our congregation putting together the kits it was a beautiful intergenerational moment mm-hmm. and to think about those then disaster relief kits going to people who you know heaven forbid that there is a natural disaster where people need assistance but if they do need assistance they're getting something from church world service that's helping them to navigate that period of time until they such a time as they can make a transition back into their homes if they are in fact ever able to do that. But that again, must be really gratifying for you to go out and to see those connections taking place between people of different ages and backgrounds working on a common cause, kind of bringing, bringing to life the original mission of church world service.
1: Absolutely. And I will say also very gratifying when you see the other end of it, when you see the people who are receiving the the kits. Uh, I've gotten the opportunity oh, sure. to see yeah. on a couple different scales. Um, Back yeah. a few years ago, a group of us had the chance to go down to the U.S.-Mexico border and see the support okay. that CWS provides to the border shelters down there. And they had the CWS mm-hmm. blankets. They had the kits. Um, mm-hmm. They're ready to hand to families, individuals who are coming over um, and looking to go on to that final leg to their journey, uh, to their new home or mm-hmm. where they're hoping to, to live next. Um, I also had the opportunity um, do You know, uh, Pastor Timothy Silva, over um, he used to be over at Newman Congregational in Rhode Island, but now he's up in the Boston area.
0: Yeah, I definitely recognize his name, but I don't know him personally. Okay.
1: Um, so, are, are you guys with the New York conference, or are you with the S&E UCC conference?
0: Actually, we're we're an independent church, oh, okay. and so we are non-denominational. Okay, yep. sorry
1: about that. <laughs> um, That's all right. So. I had met him years ago and their church was a, a depot for us. Uh, so people would bring the kids to the, their church in Rhode Island. And mm-hmm. he and I met at a, at a SNA UCC event, uh, in 2018. He said, Hey, we want to get more involved. How's?" what about these blankets? Can we do something with these? Mm. And I said, sure, absolutely. We can set up a blanket Sunday for you guys. Um, and then we typically take the blank, the money raised and we distribute the blankets to communities affected by natural disasters, um, or to shelters for families in need. And he said, okay, let me, uh, let me run this by my missions committee and we'll, we'll get back with you. And he, he did a couple of weeks later and he said, Hey, we want to do this on mother's day. But well, mm. we were wondering, you mentioned shelters. We work with a domestic violence shelter here in Rhode Island. Could mm. we do something to get the blankets to go to them? And I said, mm. "Now, keep in mind, I was on the job for maybe nine months at this point."
0: Okay, but yeah. I was a cocky <laughs> nine month. Yeah, we can do that. I don't
1: know how, but we'll make this happen. Just, and just name it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I told my boss what I had said. He said, "We'll figure it out. Don't worry." Let them do their thing. Um, because he said he, he didn't think they would raise more than enough for, say, 25 blankets. And so uh-huh. <laughs> so they had the the service on Mother's Day. I got a chance to go down and speak. And he calls me up a couple weeks later. He goes, hey, you know how you said we could keep the, the blankets that we raised the money for, for our, the shelter that we're working with? I said, absolutely. He goes, yeah, we raised enough for 125. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well. I will get you 125. I don't know how, but we will get you 125.
0: Wow. And we did. Never underestimate the church. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And because of the the, the nature of the shelter we were supporting, we're not allowed Mm -hmm. to go and and speak or see things. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the stories that came back to me from the staff, Mm -hmm. from the volunteers, Mm -hmm you knew the difference that we were making in so many lives.
0: Yeah. Someone cares right from beyond the walls of the building, knowing that someone cares, about especially
1: that. for someone who is so vulnerable in the mm-hmm. situation that they're mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to try and say this. And I hope I say this the right way. My heart breaks that we still need these types of shelters.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm glad that they're there for those who need
0: them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. A way to respond and care for those who really are in a desperate point in their lives, which it sounds like from everything you describe, Adam, that's Church World Service is making its its presence felt and its care felt for those who need that help so that one day they may be able actually to turn around and, and exchange or extend that helping hand to someone else. Yep. So. Well, I I'm incredibly thrilled not only that we've had this chance to talk, um, and, but that we're inviting you back to Roundhill Community Church. We're going to get to hear you, and we're then going to be assembling, um, the kits which will go out uh, in preparation for those who need them. Mm-hmm. Should that, you know. Uh, in, so, should something arise where those uh, that kind of support is needed, so we wish you many blessings on your journey. We're thankful that you're doing what you're doing. You clearly seem called to it, and uh, we wish you grace and peace for your journey into the future.
1: Thank you very much for for all your support. Thank you for having me on. Um, we're truly blessed to have partners like you who um, who support us and give us this opportunity to help. Those, as we say, our most vulnerable neighbors and hmm. help lift them up um, as best we can.
0: Yeah. Adam, thank you again and blessings. Thank you. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillradio.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, There are a few things that you can do that would make a big difference to us. Like the video, subscribe if you aren't, and click the notification bell and select all. Thank you.